Welcome everyone to another episode of the Campus Waterfowl Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Christians, and to continue our collegiate research tour, I'm kind of collegiate waterfowl research tour um, this off season during the of the collegiate waterfowl tour. Um, I am here in the the heart of the Prairie Pothole region, and I come across this fellow sitting right across the table from me, Taylor Linder. Uh, our history together kind of goes back to undergrad school where I was an incoming freshman at South Dakota State and uh, kind of stumbled upon the, the DU chapter there. And uh, lo and behold, there was there was Taylor. And so uh, I was able to meet him uh, early on uh, at, in college. And he's been someone that I've kind of followed and kind of watched from, from the, uh, I guess, social media sidelines, you could say, because he's kind of just been all over the place in, in the world of waterfowl. And so I uh, reached out to him and, and here he is now up in up in North Dakota. And so I wanted to have him share his story with you all because I think it's something that um, you guys will be able to learn from and then to um, kind of take nuggets away and apply to your own lives and your own careers, whether you're into waterfowl uh, research, wetland research, or just any career path I think you're going. I think he has some very valuable life lessons to share. So um taylor welcome to the podcast how are you doing today <laughs> uh derek yeah it's, i'm doing great thanks and, and thanks for being here and having me on it's it's great to reconnect after all these years like you yeah. said mm-hmm. and to have you up here in, in the heart of the prairie pottle region kind of show off everything that the prairie has to offer because it truly is an amazing place yeah no i can't thank you enough for for having me here because yeah it's kind of i'm never this is actually my first time ever coming up this far north and or north yeah then west or in in the dakotas in the bismarck area so um it's beautiful area i gotta say it's something i kind of after being here a couple days now you've talked about how much you love it and it's kind of it's kind of it grows on you a little bit just how peaceful it is up here right well and for someone who's never been here before i'm sure it's kind of like drinking out of a, a fire hose um you know there, there's a lot to learn you know you think of the prairies and all it has to offer but then you also see what really more it has to offer because when you think prairie pothole region of course, the first thing you think about is duck production. Yeah. But as you've quickly learned, there's so much more than duck, ducks around. You know, there's oh, yeah. there's the different greaves that are courting right now. You know, we got western greaves that we saw yesterday courting. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, of course, the last couple of days we've seen all the different songbird nests that this place has to offer as yeah. well. Yeah, there, there's a lot going on here. And now I can kind of see why this why this area is, is so important. And even with our short conversations going into more detail, it's like, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff going on mm-hmm. and a lot of work to, to be done still, I, mm-hmm. I believe. So, but uh, to kind of start out our conversation, I kind of want to go back to your upbringing into the waterfowl world and kind of um, schools and just your your path in life and kind of what got you here. Sure. Yeah. Great, great questions. Um, I, I guess I'll start off by just saying, I think a lot of my, my fuel for, for conservation started at a young age. Um, I got involved with a lot of different Ducks Unlimited organizations growing up, just being a banquet attendee, really. Um, which blossomed into me then seeking out, well, how can, how can I help and how can I contribute, which led me to being like, well, I'll be a volunteer. I'll, I'll start sitting on some of those boards. Mm-hmm. Um, after taking a kind of a non-traditional path to college, um, I ended up at South Dakota State University, um, mostly for the hunting and fishing opportunities, <laughs> but also yeah. in, in, I was also, of course, interested in uh, the academic side of things. So mm-hmm. I pursued a degree in wildlife and fisheries at South Dakota State. 
um, and had some some big influences from South Dakota State and my time there mm-hmm. that really pushed me to continue down this path of pursuing advanced degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, first and foremost, if I can give shout outs to. Oh, yeah, um, by all means. My advisor, Dr. Melissa Wolner at the time, um, who's now at the University of Nebraska Kearney, mm-hmm. was extremely influential in just helping me realize what I wanted to do and even asking me the right questions, setting me up with the right classes. Um, and so she was a, a big instrument in, in getting me through college. Mm-hmm. Second uh, is Dr. Adam Janke, who is now at the Iowa State University, um, and he was very influential. He gave me my first ever job, kind of working in some sort of waterfowl uh, area. We were looking at wetland invertebrates for actually what was his PhD project at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to, to jump in on that, and he gave me some other experiences, um, which from that point led to helping out with some banning opportunities with uh, Randy Meidinger, Randy Meidinger and, and Bruce Toy out of South Dakota, who are both biologists. Mm-hmm. Um, Bruce is now actually... I believe his title is the manager of conservation programs, but they let me kind of shadow them for a few weeks up in at the Gobo Ranch property. Um, from there, I went and actually got a chance to work for Ducks Unlimited in 2000, I think it was 2015, um, where I was doing brood counts for the um, Great Plains uh, Regional Office, mm-hmm. working with Tanner Gue. Um So again, it's just it's just jumping around, really, is what it's it really crazy. is. Um, so yeah. And you were still, were you still at South Dakota State, or where were you at when that last... When you were, yeah, you were in Bruce, you said, South Dakota? I was in, for the banding? Yeah. That was up at the Gobo Ranch property, which is up near Ipswich, South Dakota. Okay. And, but you were, st- were you still in undergrad? I was still in undergrad. It's at still in undergrad. Yep. So that was a volunteer opportunity that um, I did unpaid. I think at the time, DU helped pay for some of the groceries that I was going okay. through, or, or at least Randy did. Um, but yeah, so they, they pretty much did that and gave me a place to stay. And other than that, it was waking up every day, going out to band ducks on their property up there. And, uh, we banded blue wing teal. I mean, almost, I think almost every duck, except for, I don't think we banded a widgeon is the only one we missed out on. <laughs> and then what happened, like, so I, for, in my experience, I, I never had uh, too many, like just influential, um, could say professors, professors mm-hmm. in college, but it sounds like. In, in your time at South Dakota State, you had some very influential people that helped you along the way and get you opportunities um, doing all sorts of things. Um, and it sounds like, yeah, that is that is well, I should ask, is that kind of normal for a wildlife and fisheries uh, student? I don't know if it's normal or if it's it's what I would recommend. Um, I definitely like to develop relationships with, with mm-hmm. people that I was close with um, and, and find that mentor that could really help me figure out what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely look towards those people for advice because it's truly because, I mean, not only was Dr. Wollner my advisor at the time, she was also one of my teachers in human dimensions. Okay. Um, Dr. Janke now um, was very influential in, in, in a couple of my classes as a, as a, I think as a TA technically at the time, but kind of instructing that class as well. So both of them being great instructors, mm-hmm. I developed with those relationships, relationships over time and uh, which eventually blossomed into them recommending different opportunities for me to get my hands on research or even my hands on different um job opportunities that like Dr. Janke would recommend, mm-hmm. recommend for me. Mm-hmm. And then, so then after that, what, what kind of, where did your life go? Sure. After South Dakota state. Um, so after South Dakota state, I actually, I didn't get into grad school. Like I initially had hoped, um, mm-hmm. you know, I was, I was really trying to chasing that waterfowl graduate student opportunity. Um, and I applied several places, but it just never worked out like I had hoped. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I kind of took a non-traditional route after that. Um, I, I recognized that I, I kind of really liked the human dimension side of things and trying to ask questions related to, you know, what, why are, well, this is great how we manage for waterfowl, but what does that mean for the human side of things and for hunters and for even for landowners up in this region mm-hmm. on how we manage for that, for those, um, 
breeding time waterfowl populations. Mm -hmm. And so I got really interested in human dimensions, but I realized that my resume was really lacking in working with people. Um, and so after not getting into grad school, I actually took a job working with the local amateur hockey team, hmm. uh, the Brookings Blizzard at the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I worked there and I, I kind of was their uh, director of operations and sales executive. So I was selling group tickets. I was selling sponsorships, which really, really was uncomfortable for me. Um, hmm. I was always kind of an outward facing person, but that really made me get comfortable with things like cold calling mm -hmm. and sales, which is, it, those are extremely important things to, to know once you go out into the real world, whether you're in economics or in a business type major, or if you're trying to be a wildlife and fisheries, you've got to know how to talk to people. Yeah. And so that really put me in a position to learn those kind of skills, which led me to the University of Arkansas at Monticello. Hmm. And, then, and what did you do down there? So yeah, at UAM, uh, <laughs> at UAM, <clears throat> I was actually, uh, I pursued my master's degree down there finally. So I finally got through a year and a half out of school, Okay, got that opportunity to go back for my master's degree down at, at UAM with Dr. Kenny Wallen, who's now at the University of Idaho, mm -hmm. and Dr. Doug Osborne, who's still at UAM. And the project that I was working on was exactly what I wanted to do, it was working, trying to figure out how do we merge the ideas of agricultural conservation and, and waterfowl conservation. So. A little bit different setting for me who had always kind of grown up in South Dakota, mm -hmm. done some work in North Dakota and Minnesota um, to go down south and really be, again, pushed outside of my comfort zone again yeah. to, to learn new things and new um, approaches to conservation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What was it? What was it like? Yeah, just being there, down there every day, kind of being the, the northern kid, you could say. <laughs> Yeah, I got a lot of got a lot of crap being from South Dakota and uh, <laughs> and having that that Dakotan accent. Um, but it was it was an absolute amazing time down there. It was it was an amazing two years that I had. Mm -hmm. um, you know, part of the part of my my master's research was was traveling around to Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, mm -hmm. working with producers from the Rice Stewardship Program, which mm -hmm. is a, a joint program from Ducks Unlimited in partnership with USA Rice and a bunch of corporate sponsors as well. Mm -hmm. um, but ultimately it's trying to, like I said, merge that agriculture conservation, trying to figure out how we reduce and, and optimize different inputs, but also on the backside provide winter habitat for migratory waterfowl. Um, so it was an amazing couple of years to spend down there. You know, I got to volunteer out with Dr. Osborne in his lab down there doing um, duck banding in the, in the middle of February. So when up here we're froze out, we're standing on three foot of ice, ice fishing. Um, for Dr. Osborne and his crew down there, that's when things pick up because they're spending a whole month of February banding these mm -hmm. mallards. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so that's, I guess, how I ended up down there. Down, down in Arkansas. And then, and then what, brought you, what brought you back north? The heat. <laughs> the, the <laughs> or lack heat. thereof. The heat. And the um, <laughs> being from Iowa and growing up in Iowa initially and, and my whole life mm -hmm. uh, and then going to South Dakota, um, I'm a cold-blooded guy. Um, <laughs> I'm not, I don't do well in heat. Of course, the last couple of days have, have really tested my strength in that. <laughs> um, but ultimately, yeah, it was the weather for one, but also really the passion for the prairies. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I really enjoyed my time in the South. I really enjoyed my time looking at, at different species down there. If there was never an opportunity, I would jump at it to go back down to the South because mm -hmm. it really is an amazing time with some different amazing people. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, but yeah, the, the prairies and the passion for me and the breeding waterfowl and the breeding birds is just... The, the prairies for me is unmatched. Um, you know, anyone can love the mountains, but it takes a special someone to love the prairies mm -hmm. is the, the quote that I've heard before. And again, I just, I really love seeing um, everything come full circle here. You know, mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm an avid waterfowler. I love to duck hunt. I'd love the fish. I love, I guess I don't love deer hunt. I do deer hunt, but <laughs> uh, I don't definitely don't pursue it as much as I do the duck hunting and mm -hmm. the pheasant hunting. So um, for me, seeing everything come to life in the spring here is just, it's an amazing sight that I know not many people get to see. Mm -hmm. um, and just so seeing everything and even the brood rearing, the hatching, the laying, yeah. um, it's just a really special time to be up here. Yeah.
Yeah. And so now where you're at now, are you, you're a student at the University of North Dakota? Correct? Yep. So I just started my third year uh, with the University of North Dakota over in Grand Forks. Um, of course, now we're, we're out here in the Prairie Pothole region, which is where a lot of my data collection takes place. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm at University of North Dakota now. Um, so like I said, starting my third year with my PhD program, our second full year data collection. Mm -hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And so, yeah. Can, can you tell the audience kind of what, what we're doing here this week? Sure. Uh, just kind of a, there's, there's probably, there's a, it's been a very hectic two, two days here with, with yeah. cameras and just weather <laughs> and, and everything. But uh, can you share with them kind of how we're going to structure these videos? But then also, and, and kind of structured the videos based on the research being done, the different types of research. And so can you, can you touch on both of those sure. um, um, subjects? So first of all, um, yeah, the, the basis of the, the hopefully the first video with grouse on bird research, um, we've taken you all through kind of what it looks like a day in our life with, with doing some of the nest dragging that we do um, mm -hmm. to find the nests. But of course, with our research too, we're looking at nest success. So we want to be as close as possible to understanding that hatch day and that incubation day mm -hmm. um, and seeing how those are progressing over time. And so we take you out in the mornings. Um, we're looking at some of the, um, the, the nest drags and what that looks like. Mm -hmm. um, we've got another little snippet of us out checking nests because we got to stay consistent with that three to four day time. Make sure mm -hmm. we're, we're getting that most accurate reading possible and that uh, accurate uh, data is possible on those. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and then uh, from there, you know, we, we take you through our, our incredible house down in Wing, North Dakota that we, <laughs> we are lucky to have. Um, we're very thankful for for people like that that are in these areas that allow us to live here. Mm -hmm. um, that's super important because when you're out here in the prairies that are pretty isolated, um, you don't find a whole lot of houses for rent. So the <laughs> fact that we have that one, it is mm -hmm. incredible. Um, and on that note, I guess I should also thank uh, definitely the North Dakota Game and Fish Ducks Unlimited and, and the Nature Conservancy for being valuable partners in this as well. Um, they've been a huge part of that, and of course, all of our participating landowners. Um, without any of their help, this project would not be possible. Um, so it is a very good collaborative partnership. The second video um, that's going on is actually a part of an ongoing study that my advisor, Dr. Susan Feligi, is doing. Mm -hmm. And so they're looking out here on the prairies. They're, they're nest dragging just specifically for waterfowl. And so they take you through a day of, of kind of nest dragging what that looks like for them, and they are they are two very different things, as you saw the last mm -hmm. couple of days. <laughs> um, dragging a rope between two people versus dragging a chain between two ATVs, um, just depending on their objectives and what they're what they're trying to find. Mm -hmm. So, we take you through a dragging, take you through some nest checks, and what that looks like when we're out there on the landscape looking for um, different nests, setting up cameras on some nests to study the behavior of, of the uh, waterfowl at the nest, whether they're being predated, what their recess times look like, etc. And, and in that research, it's there's kind of like what was it three or four different kind of hypotheses trying to trying to uh, find conclusions for where each undergrad student has kind of their own project that they're working on. And so I can't even remember what were some of the the ones this was. Sure. So I know I know um, Bree is is this is her second year on the project. She's now a crew lead after starting her first year last year, mm -hmm. um, and she's looking at some of the, the nesting ecology of different gadwalls in the region. So they're looking at things like nest success. Um, predation events of certain predators possibly, and then uh, recess times. <clears throat> so that's looking more so at specifically just Gadwall trying to characterize the, uh, their um, nest behaviors. Mm -hmm. um, now as for uh, Avery, she's she's an incoming freshman this year, so she has an incredible opportunity to step right into this project and make a difference and really contribute to different scientists, mm -hmm. uh, scientific literature. Um, but she's going to be looking at blueing teal and um, their recess times and see if they differ substantially from uh, other species like gadwall that we have information on. 
Um, and then I think the third Gavin, as far as I know right now, is working on predation events, looking at if we can characterize different uh, predation events based on um, different types of predators, what time they're visiting us, et cetera, mm-hmm. just so we understand more about when these predators are more likely to predate on. Sweet. Yeah, some fascinating, fascinating stuff because, like, from the out for myself, like I've, I've always considered myself an outsider when it comes to this research stuff, and like when I'm on these trips, I get a chance to kind of learn and then to yeah, just kind of listen and, and thank goodness for Taylor being here because there's so much going on and he's kind of been able to to kind of call me down and some sometimes or trying to kind of help me organize things for the videos. But it's definitely been a hectic couple of days, yes. you know? and it, but that being said, you know, there's a lot of cool things going on and there's a lot to talk about. It's exactly. And, and there's so much information. It's, it's all exciting too, mm-hmm. just to hear, um, yeah, what they're searching and, and can't wait to kind of hear about what, what they find, uh, in the end. Um, yeah. And in like, a, you know, we said earlier on the other videos, you know, at the end we talk about real ducktails and some of the page that's going on that Susan and her team have mm-hmm. continually, um, updated and monitored over the last few years on Facebook and Instagram. You can follow them at real ducktails. Yeah. Um, but they have a lot of good content that they share on there from what they're finding out on the prairies. And so even if it's the rest of this summer or even going into next summer, um, be sure to follow them for great content. Yeah, the real ducktails. I want to talk about the tech life. I, I, when I was down with uh, Brett Leach in Louisiana, that, that term has brought up just tech life. And what what, is, what was it like kind of just traveling around and not really knowing where your next spot or where you might be in the country next, like for, for yourself, like being at SDSU and then just to kind of on a whim, you ended up in, in Arkansas and then you came back. What, what was just that those few years like, uh, for yourself? A little bit crazy. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I never really saw myself ending up down South in, in Arkansas or anything like that, or especially a school like in university of Arkansas at Monticello, because it is a much smaller school. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, I am extremely thankful for my time there. I had an incredible time. So I guess the one thing I'd say too is don't overlook schools like that because they do have a lot to offer. Um, getting hands-on opportunities are a lot, sometimes a lot more available. Um, although it is a smaller program, they actually have a lot of graduate students working on a lot of different projects there. And we'll actually be um, highlighting some of the things that uh, Dr. Doug Osborne will be doing uh, this this next year, part, all part of our research tour. So you guys will awesome. be able to, to see some of that stuff that they're doing down there at, at Five Oaks. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's in terms of, you know, what was it like? Um, to me, it wasn't much, so much of a tech life as it was kind of culture, mm-hmm. cultural differences. Um, but it was just, it, it was incredible going from, a, you know, South Dakota State and even being, excuse me, um, uprooted and going all the way to Arkansas because those are two very different places, especially in terms of waterfowl management and how they approach it. Um, The one thing that's super super important is to keep an open mind because, you know, I think especially in the academia world, we're always looking for ways to continue learning and growing. And I'm extremely thankful for that project and even the people that I interact with and the people that I learned from um, because I I feel like I was really, my my horizons were really broadened. Um, I learned, like I said, an incredible amount, not just from my advisors, but also all my teachers down there. Mm -hmm just in their philosophical approaches to things like science and, and data um, and different ways to think about how are, you know, people influencing um, different conservation outcomes and even empowering and how we can empower different people to make a difference in this world. Because, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, you know, a lot of us struggle with, well, how do I, I'm only one person. How do I make a difference? Oh, I'm not in conservation. How do I make a difference? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of, <clears throat> a lot of opportunity for it, even through things like duck stamps, you know, and buying a duck stamp, whether you're a hunter or not, because that is um, a lot of a portion of that is required to go for habitat. And that's, what's going to really ultimately save um, and really help 
combat issues related to declines in bird populations. And and how does that kind of um, get you kind of where where you're wanting to go in your in your career? I think a lot of uh, undergrad students and people just going to college, yeah, they they go to college to to get a job at the end at mm-hmm. the end of it, um, but. <clears throat> I feel like in for for this field it's just so competitive mm-hmm. and sometimes things do happen where like kind of like what happened to you you had to kind of pot or take a step back a little bit and go and work for the blizzard for a little bit yep but um can you share like any advice that you might have for students in this field um i, I would say first and foremost um take summer jobs get involved on campus um, you know, one thing that you touched on right away is how we met was through the Ducks Unlimited chapter. Um, and it's crazy, those relationships that for one stay with you, you know, a lot of the guys that I worked with on that chapter, I'm still very good friends with today. Um, but it's just, you know, the amount of people that you meet and you can kind of connect with over the years is, is just continuous. And so get outside of your comfort zone, go join organizations and clubs and get involved because those are all things that you're going to be able to talk about on your resume when that next step comes. Gotcha which leads me to the second part of, of having summer jobs. Um, you know, when you go to apply for these different uh, graduate programs, they're going to want to see some sort of demonstration of field work, um, especially if it's a field work centric type of um, project, they're going to want you to have that demonstrated field work. If it is a, a data project where you're kind of data mining, um, have that kind of research background. And, and that goes for anything. If you're trying to go to graduate school, try to get involved with some sort of research. So you kind of understand the scientific process, whether it's related to data collection, data entry analysis, Anything like that that you can do as an undergraduate is huge. Um, but a lot of that, what well, does come from your summer job experience. So if you're going to get a summer job, try to find something within your field that you're passionate about. That's going to give you those technical skills to continue kind of building on those in the future. What about some of the summer jobs that you have to take? And then what, what would you recommend for students maybe looking to get some summer jobs? Yeah. So again, um, when I was at South Dakota State, you know, I had three kind of different jobs. Um, one of them was a laboratory technician sorting through wetland invertebrate samples, which was very tedious, but also uh, very interesting. You'd be surprised at how much some of that stuff will actually mm-hmm. catch your attention. So I've actually gained a really big uh, interest in like wetland invertebrates, especially mm-hmm. as related to like duck diets and mm-hmm. how what kind of role they play. Um, the second one I had was working with Ducks Unlimited, where I was out doing field work every day. We were walking and doing and brood counts up in the northwest part of North Dakota in the, as they call it, the Bakken Formation, mm-hmm. uh, the oil and gas development going on up there. And the third one was, uh, again, I could I think I probably could have gone back to that oil and gas project again, but I was looking to diversify my resume, so I went and worked for the Minnesota DNR doing shallow lake surveys and, mm-hmm. and habitat surveys. And so um, I, th- I feel like in doing that, I was really able to grab a diversity of different job experiences that could really help me out. Um, but that being said, again, also, I was looking for one more piece, which was the human dimension piece that I still needed to develop a little bit, which is mm-hmm. why I had that job at the Blizzard. Mm-hmm. I feel like, so this whole time you've kind of been putting yourselves in situations that you want to get better at. It seems like. Yeah, right. Exactly. And I think that's very important to remember. So, um, you know, I was trying to think all along the way I had several different kind of ideas of what I wanted to do for a career afterwards. Yeah. And in those were continually changing and that's totally okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I went from wanting to be a waterfowl biologist to wanting to be like a regional director to wanting to work in research and mm-hmm. academia to, now it's it's any of those. Um, and when you do that, because when I talk to students a lot of times, it's they, they kind of know what they want to be. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes they don't even know what they want to be. When, like 
shoot, I think I think a lot of there's probably the majority of college students that are sitting in junior senior year. They're thinking, I don't know what I'm going to be doing after college. And so, what would you like when you when you say you you kind of at first like if we were to make a process of trying to do this, you kind of identified like looking at job titles of what you were yep. wanting to be, and then from there to kind of go after those job titles. Like how how did you determine that what you needed to to do in your time like in the summers and things? Yeah, no, that's that's, that's a really good question. Um, so I knew I, I kind of wanted experience working with with the waterfowl, and mm-hmm. so that's why I took on jobs with banding. Um, that's why I took on jobs with with kind of the brood surveys, understand more about kind of basic biology. Mm-hmm. Um, but I realized too that a lot of jobs nowadays are working with habitat, and so I wanted to get a kind of a grasp on the habitat part of things, which is why I w- went for that Minnesota DNR uh, DNR job, summer job, which is actually recommended to me by Dr. Janke. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but a lot of those too, yeah, it's it's just about diversifying yourself in a way that is is fitting and kind of aligns with your career goals. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that, you know, a lot of the stuff that I did, I didn't realize until I was probably a junior. And so I think I kind of got a late start on it, but especially if you're younger and, you know, you're a freshman or sophomore trying to figure out what, what life looks like for you. Um, think about, you know, what, what, what's going to be fun for you in 20 years mm-hmm. where are you going to be at? That's going to really make you want to wake up in the morning and say, I can't wait to go to work. And that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. You know, every job is going to have its, its adversity, um, we're going to all face different challenges in whatever career path, but what's going to make you still at the end of the day and have those highlights that's going to carry you through the through the lows of your job? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, even going back, back to your question, you know, how do, how do you diversify and like why diversify? But there's so many opportunities to to look at other open doors in the world. And so I'm always looking for opportunities that I can learn something new and have that as a as a tool in my back pocket should I want to go down that route, mm-hmm. you know, cause especially in today's world, you know, we're, we're living in an ever changing society. And so having different tools in your back pocket that you can lean on, mm-hmm. especially in a position like mine, where I want to go into potentially like conservation strategy or strategic conservation planning, um, some sort of, um, you know, working with, with landowners. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, I'm always looking for, for different ways to do things mm-hmm. and having all those tools in your back pocket is going to be extremely helpful when you have to go solve a problem mm-hmm. and you may not have the newest technologies. You might only have the newest technologies. So you really got to understand the new stuff, but also appreciate the old stuff that's passed. Mm-hmm. We can talk about too, you know, I think it's just important to remember that, you know, if you go on the job boards, like Texas A&M job board, or if you're like, Hey, I really appreciate the work that ducks unlimited or presence forever might be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to find a job within that organization. Go find a job title. That's interesting to you. Mm-hmm. See what kind of skills they need and see what kind of skills you can acquire through summer mm-hmm. jobs. Um, what kind of jobs you can get involved in. Like I said, when you get involved in organizations, don't just be a member, you know, really try to strive for one of those executive board positions. Um, do the right things in school and outside of school so that you're, you are a leader. Um, and that's what people are looking for these days. Um, you gotta have that self-starting initiative that, that let's, let's go, let's get this done as a team. So you gotta be independent, but you gotta be able to do teamwork too. And so find skills that will reflect that on your resume and, and find ways to, um, again, talk about yourself in a way that's not cocky, but in a way that's real, you know, and that's true because if you have something on your resume, it's going to back it up and there's no reason that that an employer shouldn't see that. I want to, I want to touch on too, um, like kind of, we're all students, we're all always learning, but, um, and then you, you yourself being a stu- uh, PhD student at uh, university of North Dakota, but where you're at now this summer, you're in a role to even, you're at, you're kind of an advisor to a lot of these undergrad students here working on their projects and uh kind of their your their go-to if they have any questions and, and they're helping you out with with your project um how does how or can, can you tell us about kind of 
how you feel being in that position, being being the advisor rather than the student. Yeah, so I guess um, I, I would consider it a mentor, I think is a really good word for mm -hmm. it. Uh, and I love that role. I love working with these students who are who are younger. They're all undergraduates. Um, I have one guy who, who's graduated and uh, working through tech life right now, as, as you've said. Mm -hmm. And so he's held positions from Corpus Christi, um, Texas, all the way up to Grand Fork, North Dakota, or uh, Wing, North Dakota, Washburn, North Dakota. And now he's working a little bit at Quivera. Mm -hmm. um, so he's kind of all over the map. But no, I am... I'm really thankful to be in the position that I am because I really do appreciate and enjoy working with these with these young, uh, younger students, mm -hmm. being able to, to be a hopefully something that they can lean on and they can depend on to get them where they need to go. Mm -hmm. um, I'm really passionate about making sure that they have what they need to be successful in the future. Um, I see my role as really being hopefully a mentor to them and teaching them about different different thing, ways of solving problems or thinking about problems. Because again, no matter if you're a wildlife biologist or a graduate student or even an advisor, PhD advisor, mm -hmm. Um, you know, we all, we all handle it and face adversity somehow, some way, but it's those critical thinking skills and problem solving skills that we're going to be able to get around them. Mm -hmm. Um, quickly, as you realize too, is the last couple of days, you know, there's a lot going on, but being able to step back and take a deep breath and kind of attack that, um, really does allow us to think and just calm down a little bit. Cause remember that everything's going to be okay at the end of the day, mm -hmm. we're going to get through this. Um, but adversity is part of life. And that doesn't matter if you're buying a car, if you're moving across the country like like you've experienced, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, or I've experienced too, yeah, I yes. guess. You went you went down and then you came back, <laughs> so you done it twice. You know, and, and even like now I'm working in a, in a project that really I didn't know a whole lot about coming into it. You know, I was familiar with some of the songbirds, I was familiar with the waterfowl, but mm -hmm. a lot of the interactions I've really picked up in the last three years mm -hmm. just doing this project. But <clears throat> in terms of mentoring the students, you know. I've got students working for me from all around the country, um, from all different walks of life. Yeah, that, that's like when I first got here and started, yeah, meeting some of the students. I was like, <coughs> students are coming in from everywhere. Yeah, and, and I thought it was just insane. And so I think as as a listener, it's like, yeah, do don't limit yourself to just your area. Like, yeah. you know, the world is your oyster or whatever. Yeah, you want to say, but well, know, I think the reason I'm passionate about it too is because I've had great mentors in my life. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I think about people like Dr. Janke and Dr. Walner and, and now Dr. Fuliji, who's been very instrumental in in helping me realize my potential. Um, I've had teachers in the past that you know have had told me that like you're not living up to your potential, and I just when I was younger, like in middle mm -hmm. school, I didn't care. Like mm -hmm. I I had no interest in writing. Mm -hmm. and now here I am working on a dissertation, right? But uh, yeah, how um, many pages did you say you? we were on the conversation on the way back you had to write like a 70 page paper or something. yeah it was the proposal paper so oh. and i think it was right around 70 pages but Oof. again that's part of life and so if you, if you want to be in this field and especially yeah. as a graduate student be prepared to read and write a lot mm -hmm. which i guess on that subject too i'll also say if you haven't ever read a sandy county almanac by alva leopold read that um that's going to be one that's going to be pretty influential with what we do as conservationists hmm. what was that called a uh, sand county almanac sand county almanac all right um, and that goes, I guess, on that, because we're talking about books now, yeah, I guess. Yeah. <clears throat> um, there's another one called The Last River Rat. Uh, it's an, I think it's an autobiography by Kenny Solly, Solly or something, something mm -hmm. similar to that. Uh, but that's kind of, I would consider a, almost a modern, it's never going to replace the Sand County Almanac, but it's a good compliment, modern day compliment to what Alvin Leopold once wrote. Hmm. Um, that's where that, you know, learn the new, but appreciate the old saying kind of comes from. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, again, you know, technology is, is a great thing that we have to use as a tool. But once the batteries run out or, or anything like that happens, you've got to be able to figure out a way to, to get your way out. So yeah. Yeah. know how to read a compass. You know, you can use your iPhone, but also know how to read a compass. <laughs> yeah. Very interesting skill. Very important skills skills to have. Um, what are some of the things that you've, yeah, with all your experience, um, 
what what are some of the things that have surprised you the most uh, in in your career? I think that the biggest thing that's been surprising to me is I kind of briefly mentioned earlier, but the amount of doors that really start opening once you think everything's over and everything's done. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as you're determined, things will eventually start working out for you one way or another. But that only works if you're still committed to the project. So like I said, I, I didn't get into grad school right away. Mm-hmm. Um, but I stayed in touch. I was keeping in touch with a lot of different professors trying to f- find my way in. I was keeping in touch with my resume and how I can continue building that. Stayed in touch with a couple of my former uh, professors at South Dakota State. Trying to, again, trying to find my way in. Mm-hmm. And I was always looking, you know looking for that for that little door that might be open mm-hmm. and I finally found it um, but the perseverance to, to do that is tough mm-hmm. you know and, and you know your, your friends are around you all moving on with life you're making crap money trying to trying to get through it um, you know you're, you're going to grad school making making the not making money really sort of just surviving paycheck to paycheck yeah, yeah. Um, but again it's, it's all gonna be worth it in the end that's kind of the hope right is that we all want to be successful especially in this field whether it's you know what you're doing now or what i'm doing with conservation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we want to find that way to be successful but again the, it's only going to happen is if you're persistent and really want it yeah. um as i you know we've been invited to talk a couple times to susan's intro to wild and fisheries class and we did the same kind of thing with telling them different advice and i always tell people it's buy in or get out because this this field isn't for the faint of heart um if you're gonna think it's all um lollygagging around and yeah. being successful it doesn't work like that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a really interesting paper that was once written back in, oh man, well, it's 1980, actually, a while ago now. But the wildlife professional, in this paper, he says something along the lines of, the wildlife professional is not one who sits in his office and waits for conservation to come to him. <laughs> and so, you know, you got to, as, as somebody in this field, you got to be hungry for it. You got to go out and get it because, especially in today's world, conservation is not given, it's earned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's true. That is, that's a lot. Yeah, that that's a, a big statement. And, and it's true. I, I 100% agree with that. And and it's crazy that, yeah, it's how competitive it is. You, you can't just sit there and wait for things to happen. You have to be the one to take action, find these opportunities, and kind of yeah, carve carve out your own path, mm-hmm. and and a di- and and a different a different path too. You got to set yourself apart in a way and, and to and to better yourself. And and yeah. To, well, that goes for everything from undergraduates. You know, it's like don't be that person in class that sits by and gets your C and gets out. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to go get it, you know, get yeah. that A in that class. Show your professor that you're capable yeah. because one day you're going to turn around and lean on somebody for a reference and be, be pretty nice to have maybe a former professor, an advisor versus like, you know, a family friend because that's not going to hold very much weight when it comes to can they do good work? Are they committed? Um, so, again, go out and earn it and go out and chase it. If you want it, it's not going to come by sitting back in class. If you're skipping classes regularly – um, you know, that's one more person that you can't call up on. And you'd be surprised how small this world really is that if I was to skip a bunch of classes, my professor's going to know. Mm-hmm. And if they get asked by one of their friends who you're applying for their position for, it won't take long for them to make that phone call. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I might have said this in one of our previous podcasts, but one of the best statements or just, uh, yeah, that I've, that I've heard was the only time you're noticed is when you're gone. Yeah. And so you might not get you might not get any love or anything like that when you do show up at every single day every single day but people do do notice that that you're like kind of, kind of there but you also don't want to be the person to get noticed that you're not there yeah but. and uh you know a lot of it's too you know you hear a lot in this world of you know who do you know it's and it's not always about who you know but it's about who knows you mm-hmm. and again with this world being that small if you really want something and you're going to go out and chase it and you're going to be aggressive with and not necessarily aggressive but if you're going to be passionate about your dream 
again, there's nothing wrong with asking questions. Form those relationships with your advisors and your professors. Mm-hmm. Ask them for advice. Ask them for help in finding that job. If you're really struggling that bad and want it, go find it. Yeah, yeah. There's there's no shame of asking the question or mm-hmm. or going up and and asking for help. No. Well, and all your professors want to see you succeed. Yeah. You know that nobody wants to fail anybody. That's not the goal of. I guess I haven't ever met a professor that really wants to see students fail. Mm-hmm. They want to help, but you've got to be willing to get outside your comfort zone and learn. Yeah. There's a lot of information there, a lot of advice. So I hope that that does help you to help you guys uh, going into this, this next uh, year in college. But uh, let's talk about kind of more uh, what Taylor's doing now at UND. Sure. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So I, I came into this project with, with the one objective of let's try to understand more about grassland birds. Mm-hmm. So a little bit different from my, from my past and working just with, more so with songbirds cause I've kind of had a waterfowl pass, but again, I was really ready to move back up into the upper great plains and really start diving into how do we continue conserving these, these prairie birds and uh, these prairie grasslands, especially mm-hmm. uh, the benefit birds. So I came into this project, um, a little bit low slow on the quantitative side of things and really doing some of the analyses and i'm still behind on that i feel like but again um i'm here to learn so that that's what my 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 big point is is learning something new um the second part to kind of my dissertation and what it'll be in the end is more the qualitative side of things which is where i got my start at south dakota state you know we talked about human dimensions and, Mm -hmm. and kind of my background working with different landowners down in arkansas louisiana mississippi um to where now i'm back up here trying to learn more about some of the ranchers that we work with one of my big things that I'm really passionate about is trying to say, like, well, this is what we know biologically. Um, this is what we know is happening on the prairies. But how does that affect people who are actually out there able to impact these changes and, and influence the changes in the landscape that we want to see as conservationists? But that doesn't happen unless we really address the human dimensions and trying to figure out, well, hey, if you're a rancher, what do you need? And, and, and where is that disconnect and how do we help you, for one, stay ranching? Because if we have ranchers on the landscape, we have a lot of opportunity to work with them um, to really try to find opportunities to conserve these grasslands. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, we also find a way for them to continue sustainable beef production. Uh, and on the back end, we hopefully can find ways that we can merge and, and, and fit grassland bird conservation into. Mm-hmm. So so I guess why why is what brings us the uh, to North Dakota and then why, why is that important for this area? Yeah. So again, you know, um, my, my passion is in the prairies. Um, I, I'm really passionate about, about conservation. I care about our, our ducks. I care about our, our songbirds. Um, and this project really allowed me to address a lot of those questions that I was really interested in and trying to get back into this world of, of breeding birds. Mm-hmm. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, this is, this isn't a chance for me to kind of see everything come full circle, mm-hmm. especially when you get all these birds migrating back from whether it be the Gulf coast or, or South, South and Central America, I get to see everything come back and, and see the prairies go from and come out of their winter dormant state mm-hmm. into this mm-hmm. lush green prairie that you've been able to see and experience the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. Well, with the exception of last year during the drought. Yeah. Um, and how, yeah, can you, can we talk about that a little bit? How, it, like, I feel like everyone knew that the prairies were super dry last year. Can you talk about what it was like last year compared to this year? Yeah. So last year, again, um, with the drought and, and with, we didn't have hardly any snow melt. We didn't have hardly any spring rains or, or May and June rains, which is the primary growing season for a lot of our plants up here. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen a big difference just in the growth. You know, last year we were at this point in, in late June, we were still dealing with crunchy grass that hardly had grown at all. Mm-hmm. Versus this year, you know, we're walking through grass that's knee deep and even higher than knee deep almost in, mm-hmm. in some places. And so that's going to affect the bird communities, of course. And so we're really interested in trying to figure out 
how does that bird community shift in response to things like precipitation? But more so for directly my project, we're trying to figure out, well, when you graze it and you use cattle as a tool on the landscape to, to manage your grassland, mm -hmm. how does how do those outcomes affect different breeding birds? And so we're looking at everything from, as I mentioned to you earlier, songbirds. We found shorebirds like willets and godwits on our yeah. plots. Uh, we'll find up um, some sharp-tailed grouse for the most part, but sometimes occasionally gray partridge or, or ring-necked pheasants. Mm -hmm. And, of course, all of our, our upland nesting and waterfowl species. Mm -hmm. um, so from year to year, again, since this is only the second year of the study, we really don't have a, a, a great grass, especially because of the stark differences in, in the weather the last yeah. couple of years. Yeah. Um, so we don't have any really solid takeaways at this point. Mm -hmm. um, but what we are studying is we are trying to find out the differences between rotational grazing methods to figure out, well, is there going to be one that's going to be that's going to have a that's going to have differences um, in things like nest success, cowbird parasitism, um, predation rates, or even um, composition, as I mentioned, and diversity, as I mentioned to you earlier. So we're looking a lot at these birds and how they're going to respond to the different grazing methods. Not that necessarily our objective is to say one is better than the other because they're not. Every grazing method out here is going to be valuable to grassland birds in one way or another. Uh, we talked earlier on the video about the different habitats we might find birds in and how different grasses are going to affect bird communities. And so we're going to see that as a reflection in some of these grazing plots that we're working on. And it's not like it's not just show up and you have these grazing plots that you're working with. It's <laughs> there's a lot of work happening behind the scenes and before and before the even pretty much launched this project can you talk about uh what you've had to go go through to even yeah launch launch this research yeah great question um i'll first just again really highlight the partnerships that we've had with north dakota game and fish mm -hmm. ducks unlimited and the nature conservancy because we've all had these really great discussions on what this project should look like mm -hmm. um after that i went out and recruited all the private landowners that we work on so we work everywhere from wing north dakota all the way up to russo north dakota which is about they're about an hour and a half apart i'd say mm -hmm. Um, but we, we work on a lot of private ranches and without those private ranchers, this project is not possible. Um, but there's a lot of differences. And so, um, there's a lot of moving parts that we're dealing with. We're dealing with, with 32 different plots that we're trying to manage rotations for. And, and um, are those plots all different sizes or how, how big are those normally? Sure. So the plots are all standardized because we are working with very, very different paddock sizes. Okay. Um, you know, the two grazing methods we're, we're specifically focused on are kind of a longer rotational grazing in which you're going to find a lower density of cattle moved through at um, or grazed through paddocks at a longer rate. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at about three to five weeks versus uh, and in uh, larger paddock sizes. So we're thinking three to five hundred acres. Okay. The other side of things is the high intensity short duration plots, which is kind of a it's it's an uh, increasingly popular practice that we're kind of seeing out here in the North Dakota landscape. Mm -hmm. um, but we're really interested in when you put a large amount of cattle. And this is kind of the idea behind high intensity short duration, but um, the idea behind this high intensity short duration is that you're moving a larger density of cattle through a smaller area. So think like 80 acres um, at a quicker rate. So they're going to only going to be in there for four to 10 days at most. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so we're interested in when you put that many cattle in a small area, we're interested to see things like, well, how are they grazing the vegetation differently than the longer rotational grazing paddocks? How are those effects, especially with high intensity, how is the, the rest period going to affect regrowth and, and, and regeneration of that vegetation mm -hmm. and subsequent effects on how it's going to affect grassland birds in the end. And and why, yeah, and kind of go back to why is this all important? Like, why is it important to know this information that you're sure. uh, trying to obtain? And that's a great question because the one, I think the one thing I keep forgetting and to talk about is mentioning that there's a paper that came out in 2019 that's really quantified that we've, at this point, are losing 
74% of our grassland bird species. So 74% of all grassland nesting uh, songbirds, for example, are in some sort of population decline, which is, that's incredibly high. Even since 1970, I think the number was like 3 billion birds that we've lost, which is, it's just incredible. It's, it's I think it was like 33% of our, of our North America bird population. <clears throat> um, now we want to figure out some of that, you know, some of those questions can be answered in other parts of North America. You know, it's not just the breeding grounds. But we understand the breeding grounds and kind of see the breeding grounds as one place where we can really maximize our reproduction and, and really funnel birds into um, those populations. I can't remember. So, yeah, if you guys have been following Campus Waterfowl, you'll know that um, kind of the first time we did a trip for the Collegiate Waterfowl Research Tour, you could call it, um, was down in Louisiana. And we met up with Brett Leach. And while I was down there, it was kind of funny. Uh, Brett and I were talking and lo and behold, he, he knew Taylor. And so it's, it's kind of funny how small of a world it is. And then when I start talking to Taylor, yeah, Brett, him and Brett know one another, but then another friend of mine, uh, his name's Will Goldman, who was an, he did his undergrad at Clemson and he now is, he did his, uh, grad school at South Dakota state, but him and I were talking and I kind of told him about this research tour and it's like, yeah, he knew Taylor and he knew, uh, knew Brett. And then <laughs> this next, like literally this next week, uh, or after this, uh, trip and in, in these videos, I'm actually going to Colorado to meet up with another grad student and her name's Casey while out there. Yeah, we'll be doing, we'll be searching for nests and things, but it's like, yeah, Taylor knows Casey as well. So it's crazy how, how big this field seems, but actually how small it is. And, uh, how, like, I don't even, how, how do you guys even know all one another from all these different <laughs> parts? <laughs> yeah, well, that's a really good question. And I'll start off too, by just saying again, how small this, this world really is. Um, you know, you think about the world and how many people are in it. You're like, holy cow, I'll never meet up with these people again, mm -hmm. but you'd be really surprised. Um, you know, the one thing I'll say too, is it's not, again, not about who you know, but who knows you, mm -hmm. uh, word travels fast. If you want, if you're going to, you know, we talked earlier about taking these summer jobs. If you're going to take these summer jobs, don't be the guy that's lazy. Don't be the guy that's lollygagging around. Um, be the, be the guy or girl out there, you know, who's really wanting to go out and, and make a difference. Mm -hmm. Um, if you're a hard worker, people are going to see that and notice that if you're going to be someone easy to, to get along with and easy to, to be around, people are going to notice that. And that's what people want to work with. Mm -hmm. Um, so again, yeah, going back to Brett Leach and some of those other people <laughs> that you mentioned, uh, with Will and Casey, um, Brett Leach and I go back to 2015 when I worked on that Ducks Unlimited project. Um, and, and he was one of those guys at the time who he was a hard worker. He put his nose down and got the job done. Mm -hmm. He was, he was someone that was easy to be around. He was fun to be around. Mm -hmm. We fished, we joked, we laughed. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we probably had a, had a couple beers. I don't know if I can say that, but, <laughs> oh, yeah. um, we drank a couple oh, beers yeah. together, you know, up in, up there in the back end. Um, uh, but yeah, so it's, you know, Brett Leach and I go back a long time and then ever since that time, we've somehow crossed paths at different conferences along the way mm -hmm. um we've kept up with each other on facebook so keep keep those people and keep tabs on them. even like you again i guess you did on me you weirdo uh, but I, I have to you know because i've always been a big fan of what you do and, and with with campus waterfowl and everything that you're doing now um and even with will and case you know there's a couple folks that i met up at the north american duck symposium back in winnipeg in 2000 mm -hmm. i think it was 2019 um, but yeah, so again, be that person that's going to be a hard worker. Um, be somebody that's always asking for ways to help out, um, contribute. Um, but don't be that person that just is, is a lousy, uh, crew member. Don't be that lousy person. That's going to be lazy. Don't cut corners. Cut corners is something that gets you blacklisted really quickly. Um, and again, it's hard to, once you kind of end up on that list of people that don't want to work with, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's hard to get back into it. I'll say that. Yeah, as as you were kind of just talking, I was kind of thinking in the back of my head where it's where it's like 
with this with this tour starting up now, it's kind of funny how all these people that will, that Campus Waterfall will be featuring kind of all know one another. But I think it's a good example of just the characteristics this group of people do have, and and people do notice like Campus Waterfall and my my peers that kind of recommended me, or or, or they kind of yeah they they recommended these students for us to highlight because. Yeah, they they all are hard workers. They're doing some some amazing things in the fields, and and they are uh, different than a lot of the people that do go into this field. They're doing some amazing things, and they work they've worked their butts off to, to get where they're at. And so, um, I think it just goes to show that these students that we'll be highlighting have a lot to share. And I think you guys will all be able to learn some things from them. That's the hope, right? And, and <laughs> you know, again. I think about all the people that I've met in my life and, and where some of those folks are today and some of the harder working ones are definitely where I exactly thought they would be like people like Brett mm-hmm. um, and others that are out there, even the ones that didn't go the grad school route that are working maybe with fish and wildlife service yeah. um, that are doing just amazing things in their own career paths. And, and you know, again, uh, doors open all the time, so don't be afraid to open them. Mm-hmm. And I shouldn't say we're not just highlighting the ones that do deserve or are or not only recognizing the ones that do work hard. Like there are definitely people oh, yeah. people out there that um kind of just go unnoticed and are sometimes unappreciated for, yeah. for the work they do unfortunately and i think hopefully by highlighting some of the some of the few that everyone can now appreciate what everyone is doing so. yeah well i mean too the other thing you got to remember too is is depending on who you're working for that word's going to travel fast mm-hmm. so um, you know, when you're, when you're applying for a job, you're going to list references and hopefully the references are going to talk about, about you in a, in a good light. But remember too, that it's not just your references who are going to speak highly of you or, or they're going to speak about you. It's going to be the people that you don't list. Mm-hmm. So if you work for me and you're not doing a great job, chances are, I probably know somebody or know of somebody, some through some different connection, whether it's a first or second connection. Mm-hmm. Um, they might ask through the loop and say, Hey, do you know so-and-so that works for Taylor? And I'm like, yeah, you know, and then I would or would not recommend them. And that mm-hmm. word travels fast. Uh, like I said earlier, you know, this is a, you know, especially in the wildlife field and when, when, especially when you even specialize further into waterfowl or birds, the field gets even smaller. Mm-hmm. And so the chances are of somebody knowing somebody that knows me is, I don't want to say, I'm not trying to be cocky or anything, but, and that goes for anybody in this field though. It's mm-hmm. like the chances of somebody knowing that person are pretty high. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so again, that, that's just again, emphasis when you're taking these summer jobs or taking these opportunities to get involved be that person and be that leader that people want to look up to mm-hmm. because that's what's going to get you into being successful one day, whether it's in a graduate program, whether it's in a permanent job, like some of the guys I know, like in some of the girls that I know that you mentioned earlier that are just doing incredible things out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a lot of unsung heroes that don't get enough appreciation for what they're doing for conservation. Mm-hmm. And talking about kind of about how people kind of in, in your lives can kind of influence your decisions. Like you kind of mentioned like the reason why you came back to university of North Dakota, like what can, can you tell us that story? Yeah. So again, with, with my background in qualitative research, I think, mm-hmm. um, Susan kind of saw where my, my passions were mm-hmm. and saw how they fit in with the current objectives of the project before I was even, um, accepted here kind of before I started pursuing that project. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that comes from a lot of people that could talk highly about me. Um, the people that I put on my on my reference list for this job were, were folks from Ducks Unlimited up in the Great Plains office that could talk about my skill sets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was folks from, from Arkansas, Monticello, that could talk about my research skills um, and people skills with kind of my research project that I was managing for my master's degree. 
Um, and then it was a, it was actually a professor from University of Arkansas, um, Dr. Don White, who's doing really great work with with bears, and he's got a lot of interest in large, large mammal ecology. With bears. Yep. Bears. Yep. Okay. So that's kind of his background is working huh. with with grizzly bears, and now even with with white-tailed deer and black bears in Arkansas. Very cool. Um, he's doing some really from really neat stuff, and even um, actually with with feral pigs down there too. But he's hmm. doing some really great work. But um, he was one guy that was actually very very. It was something that I really looked up to for kind of his philosophical approach because mm-hmm. he asked a lot of great questions and always pondered the possibility. So there's no such thing as a stupid question. And mm-hmm. I still believe that mm-hmm. um, because if you really are questioning some things, ask it. Ask, find that person. Even if it's like you don't feel comfortable speaking up in class, go ask those questions to that professor afterwards and they can either answer it for you or also ponder it and say, yeah, sure. That I mean, that definitely is a real possibility. Mm-hmm. Or they'll hopefully be able to provide you with some sort of primary literature and some peer-reviewed paper that says, well, according to the data, maybe it doesn't work out like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, going back to how I ended up here, I think he was one person that I asked to be a reference for me, and he was happy to. Um, that goes back to what I said earlier, even about, you know, having good relationship with your professors. Mm-hmm. Whether it was coming down to you know, UAM, I had a couple of professors on there, like I mentioned, mm-hmm. um, that could speak of my abilities and and people that were able to see me in action and how I, especially in my major related classes, mm-hmm. I'll say I wasn't the best physics or chemistry student um, at the time. I really didn't care. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, but looking back, that really did hurt me because it did hurt my GPA. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I guess going back to why I'm up here, I keep getting off tangent <laughs> with different tidbits, but um, yeah, so it's just about people that I kind of worked hard and, and people that could see my ability to, um, think broadly especially about research like don white mm-hmm. um think about my specific research project and carry that out like like dr osborne um and then even people like uh tanner you with with ducks unlimited up here who mm-hmm. has worked with me before and, and kind of knows my relationship with with ducks unlimited a little bit i'd hope mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and can speak about my skills in the field mm-hmm. my ability to take data because for that project you know we were taking down brood data so people who can speak to those abilities that you're applying for and then, so now, yeah, where we're at now, but like, where, where do you plan on moving forward? Uh, what, yeah. What's next? Um, the, the million dollar question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so first and foremost, I'm really right now, I'm really committed to finishing this project, finishing my dissertation and mm-hmm. writing that all up. Um, I'd like to get a pub- couple publications out of the way. I'm currently submitting my first one for review. Um, we hope to get that one published for my master's degree. And then, like I said earlier, you know, we're in we're in year two of three of my data collection for my my dissertation and my PhD work. So, after next year's field season, we'll really start writing a lot of it up and, and doing a lot of the in depth analyses for for publication because mm-hmm. we do want to share this work with the world and make sure that our 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 data is getting out there for everyone to kind of use for their own management. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there there is some things that are directly applicable just to the Upper Great Plains like North and South Dakota. But there is some other things that can maybe be more abstractly taken to other regions across the U.S. and even Canada and mm-hmm. Prairie Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether that's the, the biological piece with the, some of the bird data or whether that's with the human dimensions piece and trying to understand more about ranchers and how we work with them to achieve conservation outcomes. Um, you know, those are things that I hope to share with the world here in, in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Once that's over, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what's gonna, what's kind of what's in store. I've had some. Um, some interesting conversations with some folks about different opportunities that are out there. Um, so I'd like to pursue those too. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm definitely interested in kind of staying in this in this world of of waterfowl, especially, um, but also in birds because they're all kind of in my mind they all kind of work together. So mm-hmm. um, I find a lot of of um, passion in 
working with folks who are also passionate about birds, especially in the Great Plains. I'm, like I said, big prairie guy. <laughs> um, working in the, in the woodlands um, is a little tougher for me unless it's waterfowl, I, you know, because I have, of course, you know, all the hunting I did in Arkansas, of course, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, when you think about, too, I guess on that note, the amount of hunting I've done in my career between South Dakota State, UAM, and UND. Um, if you're my former professors or advisors, please don't listen to this part. Um, but I hunted a lot. Uh-huh. Um, and so I guess I could see myself going back down there, even if that, if there was an opportunity that arose, mm-hmm. um, to work with waterfowl in the South and wintering waterfowl. And especially with, with landowners or whatever it might be, mm-hmm. I'm completely open to water, um, uh, to different opportunities because I feel like in these past, yeah, hell, I guess I've been in school for 10 years now. 10, yeah, 10 but, years. Uh, I think that was the first time where the, the <laughs> audience was able to hear. Like, we've, hold, we've heard your whole story, but it's it's take 10 years now. It's about that. I mean, I, of course, right. I had a year and a half off or two years yeah. off between there with different jobs. But, but I think it's just showed that things don't happen overnight. Like, no. It, it takes time. Yeah. And but, to, um, to build that resume. But continue on. Yeah, I guess I kind of forgot my train of thought where I was going with that. But, um. I've, I've, I guess I've been thrown in situations where I've been uncomfortable and been forced to learn. So if I'm thrown in that situation again, I'm sure I can power through it. I've, I've demonstrated that time and time again where I'm put into the situations where I can learn a lot and I'm always excited at the opportunity. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to bring my perspective into different situations as well and in my background with different programs with my master's and now my PhD and even my undergraduate experiences. Mm-hmm. I'm really happy to bring those to whatever conversation is, is up next. Um, so I'm not necessarily limiting myself to one specific region. I'd love to stay in the upper Midwest and the upper Great Plains, but um, I certainly won't turn on the, the right opportunity for the rose to go mm-hmm. collaborate in other parts of the country as well. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm excited to, to kind of continue continue watching to see see where Taylor ends up because yeah, the longest time these last few years been been busy myself and there's never reached out to you and then i missed the opportunity that one year when i was up at university of north dakota doing early <laughs> you came through quick yeah <laughs> yeah but no i'm excited to see uh where you go and and finish and finish out this project too and, and hearing some of the results some of the, these students here and then even uh next year students as well so, yeah well likewise you know it's been it's been great to kind of see you as you progress through through campus waterfowl and through your, you know your new position now that mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. you're working with and so it's been really exciting to stay in contact with all these people and again that's your connections will take you so far in life much further than you readily think about and realize yeah. so make those connections and keep them close yeah and it's always fun reconnecting uh, yeah with the, pe- with the people that you've already like has have already had influence in your life because yeah you're you're meeting new people all the time and like it's just another relationship but when you do reconnect with that person that you've had conversations with the past it's kind of uh just i I don't even know the word but it's kind of you get to relive kind of those days when when you guys first met and and get to uh talk about and reconnect well yeah and it's been great you know because the first night you got into town you got here sunday a couple days ago now Mm -hmm. and uh you know the first night we went fishing you know it's been how many years since you fished for walleye and walleye now it's been a while but you know it's it's work hard play hard so that's another good piece of advice is you know have fun enjoy Mm -hmm. it you know we are all getting into this field of conservation especially for the 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 biologists or aspiring biologists out there in wildlife and fisheries take time to enjoy the the resource that we're out here to protect um Mm -hmm. you're gonna learn so much by just exploring by yourself um, by looking up, you know, and going out and, and playing in the wetlands and then the ponds, but you know, don't, don't rush through it, you know, take this time in, especially if you're up in the prairies, like you've been in the last couple of days, soak it in. Cause you don't know when your next time is going to be being back up here. Yeah. 
Yep. You know, I didn't realize that when I went to UAM and I was like, well, great, I'm done being up in North Dakota unless I take a special trip up there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Or even now in Arkansas, I look back and I'm like, man, how lucky was right. I to spend two years down in Arkansas? Yeah. yeah. And those two years go quick. <laughs> so quick. <laughs> years go quick. Yeah. Yeah. But um, you also, I, we should also so mention if anyone is interested in this type of research, like how, how can they get in contact with you if they want to kind of follow you? Yeah. But then also uh, you mentioned next year, there's some opportunities. Yeah. So again, you know, after this year, um, we have one more field season. I hire every year, I hire six technicians. So depending on who's coming back for next year, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, meant, I didn't mention yet, but last year I had six folks. This year I returned three of them, which I was great to, very lucky to have three folks come back. Um, and so next year I'll have, if anyone chooses to come back, I'll have them plus whatever else is available to get up to six technicians again. Mm-hmm. We typically post those in, in the early spring, late winter. And I think that's pretty common for a lot of jobs that are in the summers. Mm-hmm. Uh, look for those starting probably as early as December or January and then up until April, May. So, okay. um, those posts are always, those are always being posted. Um, for me specifically, those can be found on Texas A&M Job Board is one. We okay. post on Ornithology Exchange because we're working with birds. So mm-hmm. look to those two for especially for for job resources. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you want to follow along with kind of what I'm doing with where, with where I'm at, and if you're interested in kind of the bird work, um, <laughs> certainly follow me on, on Twitter. It's mm-hmm. at, at TJ Linder. Um, or on Instagram at TJ Linder 8. Um, TJ Linder, I guess, was taken already, but Twitter, <laughs> TJ Linder, Instagram, TJ Linder 8. And, and I post updates there of my adventures and whether it be research related or um, hunting and fishing related, which I don't hunt and fish on company time um, <laughs> at my former advisors and bosses. Um, I do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so follow along with that. There's always fun stuff I like to post on there. If you have questions, um, or advice at all, please reach out. I'm more than happy to, to help people out and give them any advice that I can help out with. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you know, I was very lucky to have some incredible mentors throughout my career. And so I'm really wanting to help out other folks as well and, and get their foot in the door, whatever way that might be. Mm-hmm. Even if it's simple as a resume room, I'm happy to help. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think Taylor is definitely uh, a person and a resource that you definitely kind of like, uh, what we talked to, talked about earlier is there's no stu- stupid questions. So if you have anything that you have questions about or yeah, he's a, he's a resource and he's willing to help anyone. And Absolutely. So, well, I appreciate everyone listening to this podcast. You guys can kind of stay tuned. We got some more podcasts coming, uh, before the hunting season starts. So, uh, be on the lookout for that. But, um, no, I can't thank Taylor enough for letting us come up here, get to highlight his team, his research, and, uh, just, yeah, letting us, letting us tag along. It means a lot. And hopefully I didn't take up too much of your guys' time while we're out there working. <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure to have you here up in the, in the Prairie Pothole region. Um, and be able to showcase what we do because we do really truly work in a special place. Um, so being able to show that off and show the work that not only I do because all the, a lot of the credit goes to my technicians who are out doing a lot of the work every day. So I give them a lot of credit for for them, you know, persevering and persisting through long hot days and buggy days as you've probably seen, and mm-hmm. even battling the elements. You know, as we heard from the ducks earlier, it snowed the first week of May, and last this past weekend we dealt with hundred degree temperatures and wind. So. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of credit goes to them, but again, thank you for, for coming up here and showcasing what we do, what they do mm-hmm. on a daily basis. And, um, again, if anyone has questions, please, please reach out. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, yeah. Stay tuned for the next one. See ya. Thank you.